You know, this morning, I'm going to continue to speak with you about the practices that are needed, uh, disciplines that we need in our lives in order to walk in victory. And uh, 1 Corinthians 9 is the text that we've launched from, and uh, we have several points are several disciplines that we're talking about, and we've talked about uh, prayer, we've talked about fasting. Now, we do no justice to, to the issue of fasting, because uh, if we were to do that, it would require weeks of it. But I do want to encourage you uh, that you take time and you set aside time. It is scripturally um, uh, recorded in many instances, both in the Old and New Testament, where God's people... Uh, set aside time for prayer and fasting, and you and I benefit greatly from that, and it's important and it's vital. That, you know, it's not so much the type of fasting you do, it's the disposition of your heart. It's, uh, you know, the, as you fast, whether you do a partial fast, a whole fast, a Daniel fast, whatever kind of thing you do. You know, and uh, last week as we talked about it, I was just thinking about, and he, a dear gentleman, but when he would fast, he would fast for weeks on end, and, and he would give a regular update of how much weight he lost. <laughs> we're, not, we're, not, we're not about the weight loss, right? It'll come, but I mean, uh, we're, we're here to honor the Lord and to let God work in our lives. So that's why I say it really, we don't focus on what type of fasting you do, as long as it's scriptural. And it can be scripturally supported. It's, it's setting aside things so that you can give your time completely to the Lord and your focus. So uh, this morning, we again, do you not know that, we all, uh, that all those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Amen. How many here intend on winning and receiving the prize? I mean, uh, we don't want a participation certificate. Amen. How many say I, I say I don't want a participation certificate? I want I want to win. I mean, we're not doing this just to run. We are doing it to win. And in Christ, He wants us to run with that kind of determination and that kind of commitment. We run it in such a way that we may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it uh, to obtain an, a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And Father, thank you for your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen. Just want to say happy birthday, Lynn Fletcher. How many know, we celebrate Lynn Fletcher today because it's her birthday, amen? And uh, I, I, wanted, I wanted to say that uh, before I, I, I looked up and I saw you sitting there. And, but anyhow, we're glad you're here. You're, you're, not, uh, you're not getting older, you aren't. How many know we're not getting older, we're just getting closer? Closer to commencement, Amen. Uh, so we're talking about the disciplines. First, we talked about prayer. And again, we do no real justice to this because it's a series of messages and it should be done over a course of weeks. And um, fasting, uh, we've talked a little bit about. And today I want to talk about scriptural focus, maintaining a scriptural focus. And in the weeks to follow as we get there, and we will, we're going to talk about waiting upon the Lord. You know, the Lord's given me some tremendous 
food about waiting on the Lord. You know, waiting on the Lord is such a powerful opportunity for us to, to see the hand of God at work in our lives. Uh, talk about meditation. We'll talk about uh, speaking the word of God, applying the word of God, serving others. And, you know, we'll close this series out with the, with the romance of worship. And, you know, worship, as you saw this morning and you entered into worship, how many know that you had intimate uh, time with God today in a spirit of worship? That it's an exclusive worship. You know, I'm not one of those who believe that it's uh, Jesus and Jesus as one of many ways. I believe Jesus, as He declares Himself to be the way, the truth, and the life. I believe Jesus is the only way. So my focus this morning is solely upon Him. You know, if your spirit is dancing with God, that's the important thing. It's an exclusive dance with God. All of the other things are outside of our purview today. We are focused on the Lord exclusively, and that's how we live our lives. Uh, it's an act of worship. So this morning, I want to talk to you about uh, the Word. You know, the Word of God is the most important piece of communication that was ever given to anyone. And it's good this morning, as when I say that, to see Tracy. He's a good friend. Love you, Tracy. Um, so... We talk about uh, that. We talk about Scripture. How important is Scripture to you? How much of a part of your life is Scripture? How much of your life is shaped by Scripture? You know, when you think about it, what part of our lives falls outside the authority and the directions given to us from Scripture? There, aren't, there isn't any part of our lives that, that we live outside of the authority of Scripture, outside the substance of Scripture. So this morning as we talk about Scripture, it's important for us to receive it as the Thessalonians did when Paul said, or Thessalonians did, he said, I thank you that you received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth. What? The word of God. How many know the Bible is God's word? You know, it doesn't matter what the latest poll says. It doesn't matter what denominational shifts take place. The word of God remains the same. You know, we're not preaching a, a message that is suitable to the audience. We're preaching a message that God gives us to bring us into closer relationship with him and to align our lives. How many know that today? This is not simply we go to church because we, we want to be entertained. We want to hear the kind of thing that we want to hear. How many of us believe with all of our hearts that even if we hear the hard word, God is going to bring about great change in our hearts and lives? Sometimes we, we believe the hard word has no place in church because, you know, Jesus never spoke the hard word. Well, I would disagree with that. And I would disagree with that because here's how I know he spoke a hard word. Is because I think it was in John chapter 6 that he had just talked to them about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And a lot of people said, I quit, I'm out. I don't know what this guy's talking about, but that's gruesome and I'm not a cannibal. And they walked away and they followed him no more. And Jesus looked at his intimate followers and he said, will you leave as well? And what did Peter's, what was his response? He said, you have, the, you have the word. What? You have the words of life. You alone. You possess that. And he realized and recognized that Jesus had the word that every man needed. 
And so every, as we come together in Scripture, we're here because we need to be. As much as we want to be, and I trust the want to will be greater than your sense of having to go to church, but you get to come together with other believers. I thought this morning was such an incredibly awesome get-together. We were all worshiping the Lord. Amen. There was a sweet spirit in this place. You know, there, there's, God always shows up. Sometimes people say, well, uh, you know, I didn't feel God today. Well, how many understand it doesn't matter whether you feel him, right? God is always omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He, he, he's constant and he's steadfast. And so this morning when you come into the house of God, it's not about whether or not you felt him. Maybe that's an opportunity when you not, don't feel him to, under, uh, to live by faith. You know, it's easy when we feel it, but sometimes when we're not feeling it or we're not seeing what we would hope to see, that's when Jesus is calling us into a deeper faith relationship. And uh, this morning, as we look at the scripture, and we'll talk more about this, when we train, you know, obviously training in your Christian life to win requires that you have a, a, a routine, a regimen, a commitment to reading the scriptures regularly. Feeding your soul, nourishing your spirit, uh, wielding it as the sword of the spirit. You know, that's what the, the word is. How many know the word of God is vital in spiritual warfare? You can command all the devils you want to, but if you're moving outside of, of scriptural authority, you have no authority. I mean, just because I tell a devil to go away, that doesn't mean he's going to go away. Not unless Jesus is uh, up front in me. And not if, not, not if I'm not moving in the Holy Spirit. And not if the Word of God is not my authority. The only authority we have to do anything is found in the Scriptures. The Scriptures are our uh, constitution for life and faith. It's the constitution of what we believe and how we live. Amen? It's the one constitution that's infallible. It's the one constitution that is eternal. You know, when you look at that word, it is critically important to understand that Scripture is our foundation for how we live, how we endure the storms of life, how we stand tall when the world around us is crumbling and falling. It is that solid foundation of the Word of God that will keep you. And I'm going to say this because I'm sure it's true in many cases and maybe specific for someone that uh, you're, going to, you're going to encounter some life-shaking events. And you say, I don't want to hear that. That's not the kind of thing I want to hear from the pastor. I'm telling you this, that you're in this room and you're going to experience some life-shaking events. There are those of you who are already, you're seated in here and you're going through them. You're experiencing them right now. And you know, all of the goodwill and all of the sentiment and all of the wishes for a, for a bright future mean nothing. It's really the foundation of, uh, beneath your feet. It's the word of the living God that gives you that steadiness. It gives you that place to stand when the storm is coming and the sand is washing out. You know, this morning I look at, uh, remember Jim Elliott, the missionary to Ecuador who was killed and his, uh, his, some of his team. His wife said, the word of God I think of as, straight ed- as a straight edge, which shows us our own crookedness. We can't really tell how crooked our thinking is until we line it up with the straight edge of Scripture. Boy, that is a good word, isn't it? 
you know, if you want to know if you're living the way you need to live, you need to have something to look at to see if we are living in alignment with God's purposes. You know, uh, and then, then the Word of God provides that. It is that measuring rod. It is that straight edge that we can look. And the great thing is that God gives us his grace. He gives us, he works to help us, to shape us so that we're living in alignment with him. It's not just always trying to. It's trusting that God will help you to live in alignment with his word. How many know that? It's trusting the Lord because if you trust him, you're focusing more on surrender than you are simply trying. How many of you have tried a lot of things in life and you've tried and you've tried and you've tried and you've not succeeded? You know, God doesn't want people, to, his people to run around trying and trying and trying and trying and never fulfilling what it is that they've set forth to do. I'm not saying it doesn't take our own personal will and our own commitment as we live for the Lord. It does. It takes that. But trust, trust enables us to live a life that is far different than the life of just simply trying. That's the problem. People just try to live for Christ. They get frustrated and they give up. They walk away from God. They backslide because they say, I've tried this. It doesn't, change. it doesn't change anything. You know, God wants us to see how powerful the word is. Not only does it show us how, where, we, where we are out of alignment, it shows us how we can be brought into alignment. It gives us wisdom. It gives us guidance. The word is a source of life that you and I cannot live without. You know what? It, it, it is vital this morning that your children know the scriptures. If your children are raised in a household where they are never taught Scripture, they are going to grow as people who have never had an experience, a personal experience in the Word. And you say, I'm not hammering anybody. I'm just simply saying, but for those who have children now, it's critical that you get the Word of God in there. Do you believe that it's quick and powerful? Do you believe the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword? Do you believe that it, it, that it pierces to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and soul, the very innards of a person's life? I want to say today, we have some wonderful children's ministries here. Crystal Honeycutt and her team are doing a fantastic job with your children. We have great care right from the start. We, we, we've got the Moffats. They render precious care to your children. You know, we want to be a nurturing church where we're nurturing children to grow up in faith. We want to provide a, a, a systematic process of growth and advancement for them. We want them to know Jesus. We want to teach them how to, how to worship and how to listen to God and how to, to read the Word of God, how to apply the Word of God. And, you know, we are not the primary source for your children. We're partners with you. We're support systems for you. You know, your children, your grandchildren are your charge. It's your responsibility because they're only here for a short time. As we were worshiping this morning, I was thinking about, uh, you know, the, someone said to me, oh, you know, one time, ah, oh, two-hour services at church. And I thought, boy, there's a lot worse things that could happen. 
And why I'm saying that is we have kids in here who are being instructed in the Word of God for whatever length of time we're here. There are people who are being given care. Is that a terrible thing? You know, the way we were worshiping this morning, I think we, I could have gone for a couple of hours. There was just a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. And you know, this morning as you and I have come here, uh, uh, we, here uh, Luke Giglio says, we go from Malachi to Matthew in one page of our scriptures. He says, but that one piece, uh, piece of paper uh, separates the Old and, and the New Testaments. And it represents 400 years of history. 400 years where there wasn't a prophet. 400 years where, there, where God wasn't uh, heard. And the silence was broken with the cry of a baby on Christmas Day. You understand that the scriptures are precious to us. The communications are precious. They are given to us because God purposes to release his word. There was a 400-year period year period of time of, of silence. And I thank God that God has brought forth revelation and revelation knowledge for you and I. To build our lives upon. How many here know that the word of God is, is God's gift to you? It's a gift for it to you. It is a revelation of himself to the church. Jesus is the living word. The, um, he embodies the word. He is, the, he is the, the, uh, the, um, the word become flesh. And we have been given the inspired scriptures that supply us with the foundation and the nourishment and the food and the defense that we need. How many know when the enemy comes against you, you have a sword, a two-edged one? Man, you can cut him once and then bring it back and hit him again. You know, I thank God for that. I, I was, I, we were singing this morning that about, you know, God gives us the head of the enemy. I thought, man, that's great. That's great. How many men, you like that image? Hey, I got somebody, you know, you got that, somebody's head. How many here know that we want the head of the enemy? He's not our pal. He's not our friend. He's not our sometime friend. He's an enemy and an adversary all the time. And our God has given us victory over him. And the word of God gives us the courage that we need to stand, gives us that. Scripture is an essential weapon in spiritual warfare. You know, if you were, what are those people that do the swords? What is that? Jousting. Fencing. Yeah. I don't know. Jousting something else. We, we, you can go to see that at the Renaissance Fair. Uh, but uh, fencing. I mean, if you're going to be good fencing with a sword, you've got to work with that sword. You've got to develop the techniques that will, will be able to, to counter and, 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 and um, um, initiate before your enemy's able to respond. You gotta know when to thrust that sword in, right? And you know, you just can't swing wildly and undisciplined because somebody's gonna really get hurt and it probably would be ourselves. You have been given the greatest sword there is. The word of the living God. And so God wants you to know how to use it. You know, it's one thing to say, and Jim uh, Brewer in his class, and I encourage you, we have a couple of great classes. Jim's doing a great job on Wednesday evenings in room 103. And uh, we have, uh, you know, we have others. We have, uh, um, well, I, I get into trouble because I, I, Kevin uh, has the men. I don't know, what's your room? 104. See, you don't have to go far. You don't like Jim's, you just walk over to Kevin's. Or, uh, 
And then and, and, and we have uh, Jeff Dietrich. Uh, he is a great teacher. He is a man of the word. I mean, he yeah. breaks it open. And uh, he's in the atrium. And so we have children's ministries, our, our Royal Rangers with Ken Black and his team. And, you know, we, we, we're just so blessed to have so many things. Youth, young people, get your family into church. They need the word of God. It's no time to play around. I mean, they need to be in here on people. Listen, uh, last week I gave you a little little leeway when I said, you know, we're not policing and, you know, we're not going to say you love Jesus because you're here more often than others. But I'm going to say you need to be here. There is great discipleship that's taking place here, and you're missing it if you're not a part of it. How many would say you never get to a place where you've learned enough that you don't need to sit under ministry of the word anymore? How many would say you're still sitting under the ministry of the word? Okay, then I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. We got some great things here. Then we have home groups where people can sit together and look at the word together and pray together. And, you know, and just the the word, massaging the word into the lives of people in groups. And we have a number of small groups that are taking place here throughout the week. Get involved. Get plugged in. Amen? Amen. Well, that's my advertisement, and I'm sticking with that one. Scripture is an essential weapon in warfare. The different, there's a difference, as I was saying, Jim, you said the difference between knowing and believing. Now, a lot of people know about God. They know things about the Scriptures. But the, if, you don't, if you know it but you don't believe it, you're, you're really ineffective. How many know that the devil is able to quote Scripture? So the devil is proficient and, and very deceptive at representing the word of God. It's really important for us to know the truth, to know the right application of the word of God, to know what the, how powerful the truth really is. And so here's the thing. If you have a Bible and you read it but you don't believe it, and you're not building your life upon it. And it's, not, it's not a part of your life. It's, it's the substance of your life. You see, when, when Paul said, for me to live as Christ, he didn't say, uh, you know, Jesus is one of, the, one of my interests in life. He's one of my passions in life. How many here today say Jesus is your passion? He's your first love. He's not second. Jesus will never accept second place. Never. How many know that's why our worship times, not here, but I'm just saying in general, in life falls so far short because we worship a, a, a God to whom we have given second place. We got so many other things going on and so many other interests and so many other passions that we come in and it's just a part of life for us. But you see, when we come together, how many know God wants wild worship? But I'm not talking wild. You know what I mean, wild. People say, well, you can't have wildfire. You know, I've heard it said, and I'm sure you have, I'd rather have wildfire than no fire. Because wildfire you can correct. You can, dis, you, know, you can disciple people. You say, we're always worried people are going to get out of control. They're going, to, they're going to do something. You know, God help us. We need for somebody to get out of control. So then that gives the church the opportunity to step up in love and to embrace people and to love them and to disciple them in the word. Why is that a terrible thing? Because you have an immature believer who acts out and we all, oh, we can't have that here. Let me tell you something. That's exactly what we need. 
because then it awakens our understanding as to how important the Word of God is and how important it is to love people. You know, I'm going to ask you this morning, is your knowledge of the Word as a weapon, is it a pea shooter or is it a rocket launcher? Honestly, think about it. Does the devil look and laugh and go, okay, yeah, come on, bring it? Or is the devil running for cover? So this morning, you know, nobody else knows this the way you do about where you are in your relationship with God. But is your knowledge of God's word a peace shooter? Or is it a rocket launcher that delivers devastation to the enemy? How many here want to devastate the enemy? You see, the, Jesus said, uh, as uh, Josh here preached the other week, um, you know, the, 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 upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You understand that this is strictly, we are strictly, not that we, we have a defense as needed, thank God for it, but we are not in a, we're not merely just in a defensive posture, man. We are taking ground. We are knocking the gates over. Come on, church. God, you know, here, listen now. The word of God gives you the authority. It is your authority. It is your word of authority. It's the word before which all devils bow. All demons are frustrated by the word of the living God. You understand that uh, the word is so critically important every day as, 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 as your defense and as your truth. And it's, it, it, it is so vital to your life. The Word of God is what beats up the devil every day. You know, we're not holding the fort. Come on, church. You say, I love that song. I'm not, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not attacking that song. I'm just telling you, we're not holding the fort. Church, come on. I mean, we're storming the gates, right? What kind of church should we be? The storming the gates or the holding the fort? You see, hell's encroaching and darkness is swallowing up the world that we live in. It's, it's devouring. So while we're hiding back here and saying, well, we're going to protect ours and us and what we're doing, the world is eating alive all of those who are lost. So that says, church, let's get out of the fort and let's storm the gates of hell because Jesus said they would not keep us out, right? I think that's a beautiful thing. Is the scripture, is the Bible foundation in your life? Is the Bible daily nourishment? Is it your daily nourishment for your spiritual man? Hey, you know, people that say, oh, I'm leaving church, I'm not being fed. People that say that usually aren't eating any of the, the other six days either. And they blame the pastor of the church. Oh, I'm just not being fed. Well, let me tell you, if you're eating the other six days of the week, you're going to bring the word with you and your presence is going to do some really good things. The preacher might even get saved. And... Uh, is the Bible your go-to weapon when it comes to temptation, oppression, encroachment of fear, the presence of sin in our lives? Is, it, is the Word of God what you go to, or do you want someone to massage your conscience and tell you you're okay? I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of people who are living in darkness, and the church, unfortunately, has begun to tell them you're okay. No need for repentance. 
In fact, we expunge that word from our, from our, from our uh, you know, verbiage because it's offensive. It implies that we're not doing this thing right. You know, the Bible says that every man has sinned and has fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is still death. How many hear that? that how many, if you believe the word of God is everlasting, the, the wages of sin is still death, but the gift of God. How many are here today because of the gift of God is eternal life? We're all here by grace. None of us are here because we had such an outstanding resume that we, God said, oh, you come on in here. I know your family. You got, you know, you got influence and you're important to a lot of people. But if you don't know Jesus... It doesn't matter. The Constitution, is it the Constitution of your faith and practice? Is the Bible the kingdom of God advancing word in your life? Here, think about this. Jesus, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, when confronted by Satan's solicitation, how many of the devil, the devil is always a creeper, it's a stalker. Jesus is led by the Spirit out into the wilderness places. It says in verse 4, Then Jesus was led up into the Spirit, by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. How many can say amen to that? I can imagine. Now when the tempter came, and the tempter always comes. You know, the tempter's there. God's not the tempter. He says, I don't tempt you. Right? How many of God doesn't supply you with the temptation because God can't tempt you, nor is he tempted. But when you look at this, it says, well, uh, now, and then the tempter came to him. He said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. You see, he provides a justification for Jesus to disobey his father. He says, you're hungry. Come on. It's okay. You know, just kind of like back to the Garden of Eden. He, said, he says, if you're the son of God, you have authority. Do you know who you are? You can command these stones to be bread, become bread. But Jesus' response to that was what? He said, it is written. Come on, church. It's good for us to learn what's written. And when the devil comes and the solicitor comes and the tempter comes, we can say it is written. Come on. It's not just some ritual. It's something powerful to be able to cite what the Word of God says. It is written, man shall not, what, live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen. You know, Jesus, he speaks with that. Isn't it interesting? Jesus could have just punched him in the face and sent the devil away with a bruised ego and a bloody lip. But Jesus said, it is written. You don't fight this in the natural, right? You know, there's too many fights in the church that are of the flesh. And when that happens, when you're fighting in the flesh, then you begin to fight one another. The enemy turns us against one another and we begin to boom, boom, boom. And we're fighting this war of flesh and God says, get back to the word. And not just gaining a a knowledge and an ability to quote it, but let it change your life. Let it change your heart. He says in verse 5, Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. 
And Jesus says, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Okay, you know, you see the frustration here mounting, right? I don't know that it was already set and established that he would offer these three notable temptations. I don't know what else happened in between, but you can see there's a progression. It didn't work here. You know, when the enemy comes at you, he's going to try you in one place, and then you rebuke him and rebuff him. You know, resist the devil, but submit yourself unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You know, but the devil's always, he's going to keep coming back. But see, he, left, he, he, he backed off, and then he regroups, and he gives the second temptation. And Jesus said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Thirdly, we see the devil took him up in verse 8 unto an exceedingly high mountain and showing him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to them, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. You know, I read in the scripture that all of the kingdoms of the earth are going to become God's anyhow. That's what the word says. The kingdoms of the earth shall become his. He's taken over. Come on now. How many of you know God's taken over here? I mean, he's taken control. There'll be no sun, no moon, because God, the, the son of God, will be the light and the glory of the city. You say, oh, I don't believe it. We can live without the sun. Oh, you're right. We can't live without the sun. Then Jesus said, away with you, Satan. Isn't that great? You know, you could, you could put that into your own terminology. Yeah, get out of my face. Take a hike. Not you. I'm just saying what you said to me. Uh, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. I'm going to share a few scriptures with you here. Ephesians 6.17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you're going to win, you've got to learn how to use that sword. You know what I mean? It can't be a dust collector. It can't be a decorative piece in your house. Or, uh, it, it's got to be used. Come on, church. I mean, no, the Bible's got to be a, a used uh, document. It's got to be read. It's got to be prayed over. It's got to be meditated upon. It's gotta, and we have to ask the Holy Spirit, show me what you want me to see. So that when I read it a thousand times, every time will be a time of enlightenment. You know, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 4, 3, for the time will come. Come on, church. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine because they have itching ears. Let me tell you something. People say, well, you know, it's always been that way. I'm going to tell you it's really that way today. You got churches selling out. You say, oh, you shouldn't talk about other churches. I'm not naming any church, but I'm just saying any church that embraces godlessness, that's, that's a disease. And there needs to be a healing. If you're going to live by the word, you're going to, get, you're going to have persecution. Come on, get ready for it because it's coming. You know, they say, oh, you know, if you, if, you don't, if you preach this stuff, people aren't going to come because they're going to get angry. I got to tell you, I am a professional at making people angry. I have had a lot of people really angry at me. You know, you, you, yeah, you, you wouldn't know how many people I've had angry at me in the course of 
35 years of ministry, you know. And some of that was probably because of me. But I'm going to tell you some other part. The Word of God doesn't change. I'm not one of these ones that feels like we need to reinterpret Scripture. Maybe we need to meditate upon it so we can have a more complete and fuller understanding of what God is saying. But the Word doesn't change. It says, they, because they have itching ears, they will heap to themselves teachers. Running to this place and that place, and this is hot now and that's hot now. And I'm going to tell you, I'm all for those kind of having the opportunity to learn from other people that God raises up. I think it's wonderful, and I think when we have the opportunity to do it, we should do it. But what I am saying is that if we are looking for a gospel tailored to suit the way we want to live, then that's never going to work. If we're looking for a Jesus that we can make, then you're not serving the Jesus of the Bible. You say, Jesus was just always so easy about these things. Well, he he was very gracious. But see, Jesus was full of grace and truth. Jesus never compromised the truth. But he had such a grace about him that he was able to, to, to provide a path to redemption and forgiveness and reconciliation. When they came and they were going to stone the woman taken in adultery, he knew that they were evil and corrupt and they were using this woman for their own purposes. And Jesus saved her from that death. He lifted the condemnation of her life. And you know, this morning, I'm going to ask you if you'd stand with me. You know, the Bible isn't just simply an entertaining read or a feel-good collection of stories. It's not a best-selling novel. It didn't come from man. It doesn't require man's approval. And as we close today, I want to share just one little piece here. I was thinking about what is, it, what is the devil up to? Not that we need to, I don't run around looking for the devil. You understand that? When you live your life, you walk in the light, and if the devil happens to get in the path, it's his loss. Right? How many would say if the devil encounters the church, it's his loss? It's not the church's loss. We're not victims. Come on now. He's not all-powerful. Here we go. Satan's working to dismiss the Scripture as man's creation of fiction or simply a tool to control the weak and the uneducated. Examples, marriage, sexual uh, purity, the sanctity of life, truth, repentance and redemption, real freedom. He wants all of that to be dismissed. He leads a campaign of emancipation from God. There's no freedom from God. You understand that. We will forever be accountable to God. There is a judgment seat before which the the saints will appear. A judgment of, of works and motives. Not a judgment of whether you make it in. But God will examine the things that we have done in his name. And, and you know, I, I pray to, to God today that what I've done in my lifetime isn't burned up as wood, hay, and stubble, right? We want it to remain to honor him. 
You know, I think about the devil. He's up to this. He wants to divide the church over the scripture. You know, we gotta cut, we gotta be together here. People say, oh, well, we don't all have to believe the same thing. Well, there's a lot of things we may have different views and thoughts about, and that's wonderful. But you know something? The word of God is non-negotiable. It's the center. You know, you know, it doesn't matter what you think or I think or she thinks or he thinks, you know, if we're not meeting in the in the scripture, we're fooling ourselves. He wants to divide the church and split it over doctrinal uh, discrepancies or, or, or he just wants to fight, 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 fight. I do thank God that there's coming a day when denomination won't mean anything. It, it should really be kingdom, right? It should be kingdom here. Not simply, hey, I'm this guy, you're that guy, we're, you're on that team, I'm on this team. You know, if we're all living for Jesus the way we ought to and we're, we're building upon the word, there's one church, right? How many know there's not? I remember my dad when we went in. I'm going to close, I promise. We went to, a, I told you this, I went to a tent meeting. And you may never believe this, but there was a time I had a little longer hair and the guy rebuked us when we walked into this tent meeting. And after it was over, my dad had gone to the man. And my dad's a very soft-spoken fellow. He went to him and he says, you know, we're all going to be in heaven together if we know Christ. And this man said to him, he says, I'm not sure about that. I want to tell you, there's not going to be a Pentecostal section. There's not going to be a Baptist section. And I got to tell you, there and some, some, there may be no section at all. No place. But there's going to be one church. One church. But he wants, the devil wants to divide it now. He wants people arguing. Nothing more nauseating than watching people sit there and hate on each other in Jesus' name. He wants to destroy the credibility of the messengers of the gospel. Because if he destroys the credibility of the messengers of the gospel, then people will disregard what they have to say. You pray for those who are sharing the word. You pray for yourself as you share the word. He wants to degrade the character of scripture and its integrity in people's eyes, you know. I gotta tell you, they're, they're, uh, I'm not in favor of, uh, of neutering God. I say God's not, I, I, what I mean by that, if it says he, it says he, right? I'm not gonna change it and make it neuter, uh, neutral to everybody. I don't, can't. I know what the Bible says. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. I get that, but I know what it says in the word, right? How many know what it says? And when we start, or we start saying she, mother God, it's not mother God. You know, Jesus didn't say our, uh, in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say, uh, what did he say? Our Father, our Father, which art in heaven. Come on, church. We've got to watch this stuff now because it's like, well, well how, why is that important? It's important because Jesus said when we pray, we pray our Father. We, we cry out what Abba, Father. 
You got that, right? It's not Abba, uh, I can't say it because it's going to offend somebody. You live by the word of God, it's going to offend somebody. And I say that's okay. Because, you know, Jesus wasn't elected man of the year. He was crucified between two criminals. And if he was perfect and sinless and spoke the words of life, he healed, he redeemed, and he still was crucified, church. We got nothing to complain about. And the last thing, he wants to disseminate another gospel. He wants to spread another gospel. You know who he wants to use to do that? You and I. He wants to use the church to preach some other perverted form of gospel, some kind of hybrid. You get these people that get off on this kooky stuff, and I'm saying kooky, if it ain't scriptural, it's nuts. If it can't be measured by the integrity of scripture, it's just a, it's just a group of nutcases that need to be enlightened. And I could be that nutcase. You understand that, right? That's why we gotta study to show ourselves approved, right? We need to be a, a, a workman of God who's approved, rightly dividing it. How many here this morning, you know, you're on the winning side of this thing. The devil just wants to keep you ignorant of that. He doesn't want you to know the substance of that. And this morning, uh, Tammy, as you lead us here, you know, I'm gonna ask you where you're at. You know, I know that, I, I, I don't know how long I preached, what, two hours, something like that. You say, no, no, it wasn't that long. I just felt like it. But here this morning, I feel like uh, I want to take the head of the enemy. How many here want to take the head of, come on, church. You say, that's gross, that's gruesome. Well, you blame Tammy, she started it. Uh, this morning, that's me. I want to I I charge the enemy. I don't want to do it in my flesh. I don't want to do it in my ability. I don't want to do it in my smarts and in my, in my, you know, my natural person because I won't win. But in the power of God, we are mighty. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Can you say the word says I am mighty? Hallelujah. You know, when the angel of the Lord came to Gideon, Gideon's hiding and threshing wheat in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord says to him, you are a mighty man of valor. Come on, the church, you've got to awaken to this today, that you are mighty, whether you're a mighty man, a mighty woman of valor. Courage is not a, it's not a gender thing now. Courage is imparted to all who will receive it. You are powerful. You are powerful. The devil wants you to awaken to the authority that is found in the Scripture. He wants you to know the Word. He wants the Word of the living God to just explode in your life. Let's stop hiding from devils. You say, I'm trying to, I, I just like to stay clear of the world. Of, I don't want to be in the, I don't want to get into fray. Quit it. Quit it. 
credit. I, want, I just want to step out into the deeper things with Jesus. You know what? Jesus steps into the deeper despairs of humanity, the deeper depravities of humanity. And he, the Bible says that he came to seek and to save. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So if you want to go deeper with Jesus and you want to study his word and you want to live for him, then you got to step where he's stepping. And he's stepping into the fields that are right, white and ripe into harvest. He's stepping into the t- troubled seas of lost humanity. He's stepping into the schools that where students don't know Jesus, teachers don't know Jesus, administrators don't know him. He's stepping into the places of addiction and bondage, and he is setting people free. Hallelujah, for the spirit of the Lord God is upon him. And you know what? Through Christ, as given by the Father, it is upon you. Hallelujah. I'm sorry you say, oh, I got to go. I got microwave going. Uh, if you had it going this long, man, you'd forget it now. If it didn't get it done in two minutes, you might as well forget it. Your house probably might not be there. Yeah. I want to say to you this morning, there's a spirit here of God, the living God. You know, you got people walking through Gettysburg. Oh, they want to find, see a spirit. They want to see, they want to hear, they want to touch. They want to be fascinated by the supernatural. Church, we've got the supernatural. The holy, the holy, the holy, the holy God who is exalted above all things. He's given us his word. God, awaken the church. Awaken me, Lord, to the Holy Spirit, to the Word. Lord, let us see things in the Word that you have placed in there, not what man has edited in or edited out, but what you have spoken in those words. Holy Spirit, draw us into a deeper, Lord, appreciation and comprehension and application of the Word of God so that we can truly be mighty in Christ to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every pretentious thing that exalts itself before God. How many, I feel like I I want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit again. I am baptized in the Holy Spirit. And God, God says, well, here, I want to give you some more. How many people in this church, you think it's about time you get a little more Holy Spirit in you? You get a little more Holy Spirit. God, I'm thirsty. I want more. I don't want just to be. I don't want it at half. Lord, I want to be full. You say, man, this is getting weird. Baby, hang on. You ain't seen nothing yet. God is going to astound all of us if we let him. There's going to be healings here. I tell you, people always come through and say this kind of stuff, and then we wait and we don't see it. But you know something? I'm here, and I'm planning to, to stick around long enough to see God do what he does. And I want you to hear. I want you to hear. There is a, you know, I stood in the kitchen the other night. Thank God I, I was only eating watermelon. So I was in the kitchen. Kept me up all night. But I was in the kitchen. And I heard these screams, and I don't usually hear this stuff. I heard these screams, honestly. In my, in my mind, I was hearing screams of, of torment of those who had left this world and didn't know Jesus. And one of the things that came to me 
was that there are many people who are part of a world that's full of rage and anger and unforgiveness. And while there'll be people in hell for one primary reason, that they have rejected Christ, there are gonna be a lot of people with strongholds that they were not willing to walk free of. And one of those strongholds was unforgiveness. You may think I'm weird, and if you do, that's okay. Stick stick around, you'll know it. But the thing here is, I want you to hear this. What happened, what I heard, and this was only in the moment, people screaming and saying, I want to forgive them. I want to forgive them. I want to make it right. I want, I want, to, I want to make it right. I, I want to forgive. I want to forgive. I want to make it right. And you know something? Don't allow bitterness to be such a root in your life. And that's why that hit a note with me this morning, Kevin, that we harbor in our heart this bitter unforgiveness, this hate and contempt. If you do, it could cost you. It could cost you. If you have people in your lives who are bitter and unforgiving and full of contempt and rage. You need to minister to them. You need to minister to them. You gotta, you gotta love them and speak into their lives. You gotta redirect it. Don't, don't reinforce it. Don't justify it. One of the worst things you can do as a Christian is to, to tell another believer that yeah you don't you yeah you're okay you don't need to you don't need to apologize for that your 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 anger is boiling over but it's okay this morning if you're here in this house I want to say to you I don't know what why that ever happened to me I'm going to tell you I wasn't I wasn't in prayer I was walking in, I came walking right to the kitchen Robin was in the house Ted God just let me hear that. And as soon as I heard it, I knew what it was. Holy Spirit, let us be saved by the word, saved in the word, kept in the word, empowered by the word. Lord, let us walk a mighty walk in the word. Let us not retreat. Let us move forward. Tammy, you want to lead us and we'll close in prayer. If you don't know Jesus, this is the best thing you can do today. And you can't buy this anywhere. You tell me where you can go and pay any sum of money for eternal life. You get it free through Jesus Christ. Tammy, would you lead us? Just hold on. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.